What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I am Jabril, and I am with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, let me know what you've been playing. Yeah, so I've been uh, still dabbling in those uh, PS4 games that I said were, you know, hands on PS5. Ghost of Tsushima, God of War. Um, I tried out Control again, um, the Ultimate Edition or, or whatever, and... Uh, one quick note on control. I'm surprised how many of the same bugs I experienced on PS4 are still there on the PS5 version. Um, don't know really what the deal is with that. I made sure I had the PS5 version installed and everything. And like, like the pause and unpausing bug is still there. Uh, not bug, but that quick motion blur. Yeah. Um, that happens. Uh, little things like that are are still there it is super annoying that the trophy list is the trophy list got completely split up and it's different skews and now practically have to play the whole game again um stuff like that but it is what it is it's still a great game um i'm glad to be back in it Uh, it's more interesting now that i'm kind of just skipping the story and just going straight to the gameplay um doing a lot of things i missed the first time like those random events where they're like go to this section because uh the hiss are there running around like, I never did those, um, just because of how uh, obsessed with the story I was. Um, so it's nice to be able to kind of just take my time and enjoy the gameplay, uh, grind a little bit for more of the abilities and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I still really like that game. I'm really excited that it's there. I'm glad it was put on PS Plus, especially after the, the debacle with Ultimate Edition, not getting an upgrade, and that whole sort of nonsense that went down. So those are, you know, those games are still obviously pretty great. Um quick caveat i did finally for some reason i don't know why i downloaded gta 5 on oh. ps4 <laughs> um i've just been seeing so much about it um which is wild you know with it being hitting record sales and all these different things i'm like it's been a few years since i've played gta 5 at all and i'm like and you know they're giving away that free like million i think and gta online uh and for ps users until the playstation 5 version comes out i'm like i should jump in i was like i should just jump in let, let me see it and so i did i did just play more uh the story just to uh, kind of get the controls down because as great as that game is the controls take a little we uh, a little while for me to get uh, used to um the way the running is the way the walking is there's you know the famous you know when you go to open a door you walk in two circles and what gta 5 has become um so it's just kind of downloaded that just to kind of mess around i guess like when i have 45 minutes to just be like eh, let me just spawn jets out and stuff since i'm not really like trophy hunting i'll just do whatever i want um, which is always fun and you know that's what's made gt gta 5 be such a big hit was its sandbox sort of nature so i've been enjoying that as well um on the side just sort of something light um the other two games i've been playing um one's really out of left field here i've been playing total uh war warhammer 2 um which is uh a real-time strategy game, uh, number three, was just announced. Uh, that's published by Sega. I've never been into these games. Let me, you know, these sort of real-time, uh, diplomatic sort of tell my troops where to go. Don't know why. Just for some reason, I'm into. I'm into this one. Um, this one's way a little bit more fantasy-based. Uh, dark elves, elves. There's some phoenixes and all this stuff, and a lot of lore there. And uh, the game was pretty cheap. Uh, I think it's on sale because the third one's coming out. And I, for some reason, just got into it. I don't know what it is <laughs> that just sort of got me there. Um, it's hard to explain because it's not really exciting while you're watching it. Like, I can't stream this because 
you really want you're not gonna want to watch me scrolling around a field telling telling troops to go stand in trees it's not exciting but some reason that sort of micromanaging sort of style really fits um i just kind of a scratch i had right now um it's the same with like you know XCOM and all those other games i'm not into those really um until one hits that i just really get into so XCOM was kind of that title uh somewhat like Rabbids versus Mario was sort of that sort of a you know cover based you know turn based thing just really stuck out to me and some reason Total War uh, Warhammer 2 is just kind of hitting it for, for me right now it's uh it's just a weird game it's a weird game a lot of dialogue a lot of like just telling your village it almost feels very mobile gameish in my aspect um, because I, I was experienced in mobile gaming before these types of games but I'm having fun with them. I'm having fun with it. It's there. Again, it's, it's something I play when I kind of put a podcast on in the background and no one else is here and no one wants to watch over my shoulder because there's nothing to watch. <laughs> um, there is some battles and stuff that gets exciting, but I, it's it's there. So that's a weird one for me. I don't know why, but it, it is happening. <laughs> um, and the last game I've been playing, um, only obviously two days I've been playing it, is Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, or world right not land yeah world i I forget whichever this one is the switch 3d mario land world and um yeah i'm really enjoying it this time around i did play this on wii u i think we played this together back then on the wii u yeah a couple times and uh, yeah i think a couple times we and um you know i always thought there was something clunky about it and something kind of dragging and they did announce in the early trailers were like yeah we kind of sped it up a little bit and the mechanics are just slightly tweaked and things like that and the game feels so much better now i'm clearing worlds out like crazy like i'll sit down i'll be like let me do a couple of stages i end up doing a whole like world uh so i'm already on like world six i want to say and you know it's a solid mario game I, I thought the game was always solid then i do think it's better now it's weird because most <laughs> most like IGNs and those places are reviewing it worse now than it is back then. And it's a straight, straight port. Um, so it's really weird that they're doing that. They're, they're saying the game is worse now. Um, and they don't really have rhyme or reason for it. So it's such a, it's, a, it's a weird thing. Um, I have not touched too much of Bowser's Fury, um, which is its own separate thing. Like, if you see the home screen, I mean, obviously, I don't think you've seen the UI yet. But it's like Super Mario... 3D world, and then you literally click left, and it's like almost like the collection, and it'll swap over to Bowser's Fury. So it's like it's completely own game. Oh wow! And there's there's a lot of cool mechanics I'm seeing. The sort of it's like kind of an open world map. Uh, Bowser is in his is like in the middle of the stage, and he goes into this Fury mode, uh, which causes it to be nighttime, and it starts to rain. The music changes, enemies change, and there's like a lot of little things and i like this mechanic i have to assume this is definitely somewhat of a test tech demo um for this mechanic um to be in other nintendo games i kind of really hope that this is somewhat in the form of in breath of the wild 2 where changing it up there is like an event going on in the middle whether it be a boss or whatever that starts changing the landscape changing weather and structures and stuff like that and so I'm excited to see where this kind of mechanic goes. Um, as a game, I haven't played too much of, of like Bowser's Fury itself because I heard it's only like two or three hours. Um, so I'll want to kind of, when I finish with uh, the main game, then I'll go to Bowser's Fury, probably knock that out in a sitting or two. Um, and then 
I guess I'll be done with the game, <laughs> retired. But you know, the game's really nice. The games are sharp. I don't know what engine that Bowser Fury necessarily runs on. Um, I, it's like a weird cross between like Odyssey and the 3D engine. So it's like a weird spot. The only thing about Bowser's Fury that really gets me, and I know this whole collection and this whole game is really about the cat suit. Like we've known this, we we all remember the original marketing and stuff. Everything in Bowser's Fury has a cat suit. I'm talking flowers have cat like ears and like everything has cat ears. And I'm just like, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I get it. But I'm like, why is there's cat ears? I'm like, go look at some screenshots, bro. There's like cat ears on everything, That's everything, weird. everything, everything. Design things in the back, cat ears. The bushes, cat ears. I'm like, why is there so many cat ears? But it's a you know a minor, less of a complaint, more of just a weird observation. So. That's where all I've been playing. You know, I, a few little things there. Um, the only other thing that just kind of crossed my mind, um, I did want to mention is I did play PlayStation Plus's uh, Destruction All Stars. Oh, yeah. Um, I did play this at launch. I don't know if I discussed it last week or not, but um, or did it just come out this week? Yeah, I think it was just think, this week. Yeah, I may have missed it, but um, so I I played it. Uh, did the tutorial. I was feeling. I'm like, okay. I, I was feeling the game. I'm like, this is cool. This is a game I did originally have pre-ordered um, at the launch for PlayStation Five. So I'm like, okay, got to save me seventy bucks. Let me tell you, they really saved me seventy bucks. <laughs> um, game is uh, hmm, mediocre. I want to say the gameplay wise, pretty fun. You know, it's pretty addicting. Um, and you know, the characters are kind of cool. They're very much less Fortnite characters and more i you know identity um i would actually compare them more to like apex characters where they're kind of like specific to each other you know yeah. very identity you know have they they have their own identity is my kind of thing um so the mechanics are great and all that kind of stuff it's pretty fast paced um i have a lot of issues with the game um when you're actually playing the game like you're in your matches uh there's no music um so i've i mean it's a quick fix for me i have spotify downloaded i put some music on and I guess it's supposed to be amplifying, like, uh, the destruction and, you know, That's the smashing weird. of the cars. But you, it's just so quiet um, sometimes, you know. And then there was a whole multiplayer issue that when you were going to go play online, it would auto-add you to a PS5 party chat. Not that there was just, like, the lobby. Like, your PS5 would ding that you were in a new chat. And so you'd have to go in there, mute everyone mute yourself every single match now they did fix that so now you can mute it from the get-go you're not auto added to that it was weird because then people were trying to add me and things like that and it's just you know obviously there were people the first thing like the game was not even loaded yet as soon as it'd be party chat and people were just yelling vile <laughs> vile things and, and i'm like whoa you know so when i you know when i stream i went to stream it and i was like well can't do that because someone's gonna drop some words that they shouldn't yeah um but you know the gameplay was there. Super. Now my other two I have too many issues. Super microtransaction. They really want you. It's really like grind a lot for these costume pieces. And the issues is that they're not costume pieces. They're color swaps. So it's not like Fortnite has all these different skins. It's literally color swaps, um, which is super annoying. It's almost like six dollars a color swap or something like that. Yikes. And to get the coins or whatever, it's you. You know you gotta grind out multiplayer for hours and hours. Um, there's a somewhat of a single player aspect. I, I forgot what they call it, challenges or something like that, um, which has like some small cutscenes to kind of introduce the characters and their relationships with each other. Um, the first one is the luchador guy, and you can play that, no problem. 
every other one that's being released or releasing sort of an updates are behind a paywall. So you have to pay extra to get the single player content, which is completely ridiculous, completely unacceptable, and I'm not going to do it. I'm, you have to pay almost the way the coins work and stuff like you're paying $10 that's crazy. per storyline. And each storyline is only five like races. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Like that's they gave you one, and I thought I would unlock the next one, and it's like no, to unlock the next one you have to buy it with this that launches the PlayStation Store, and it's like six ninety nine, five ninety nine, and I'm like, oh, the single player stuff is locked behind a paywall. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so that game is uh, it's fine, but uh, I'm sure with friends it's it's great and fun like that. But obviously, I don't have many people who have PS fives, and not many people are gonna want to play this. This game's time on my hard drive, on my SSD technically, is uh, limited. It will not be there much longer. Um, because of the fact that they don't want me to play their game, pretty much. Yeah. Um, they want me to pay extra. So that's all I've been up to um, in gaming-wise, which is actually more than I uh, remembered. So uh, what have you been up to? Yeah, so I only got really two things to report that I played. And one of them I remembered while you were talking, so I was like, oh, I need to mention this. So I don't remember... Or I don't know if you remember, but many months ago, uh, on an episode of Retro Recap, I mentioned that there was a brand new Game Boy game coming out um, by a UK developer and that they were selling like physical cartridges and everything like that. And I ended up buying the cartridge. Uh, All in all, with shipping and everything, it only cost me about like 30 bucks, but that was months and months ago. And I actually had like forgotten completely about that. And that finally did arrive. And... um, I put maybe an hour into it, so I don't have a ton to report yet, but so far, very, very good, really enjoying it. It's giving me a lot of, like, Game Boy Final Fantasy meets a little bit of the Game Boy Dragon Quest on Game Boy Color, and then with mm-hmm. a look of Link's Awakening. So, there, mm-hmm. it's it's turn-based, it's very, it's game, it's a Game Boy game, so it's very accurate to that time. Uh, the story is pretty good uh there's not much to report on that front there i like the characters i like the battle system so i i like what they have given so far and it's just nice to be able to play a literal game boy game for the first time again and uh it it was crazy like i I took out my original game boy like the original original one and popped it in there just to see it running on there i popped it in my game boy color and then finally i'm i'm actually playing it on my sp so i can you know have the the beautiful screen showing it Mm -hmm. and uh there's some interesting like aspect ratio things. You could tell that they like very much obviously crafted it uh, to not be stretched because the text gets all weird and wonky when you full screen it on the SP. So I keep it small, keep things tight. So yeah, really good game so far. I'll have more to report, you know, in the next few weeks once I'm able to put some more time into it. And then also coming off a uh, Hitman, I basically wanted. I still had kind of like a stealth itch, but I'm very specific on what stealth I like. Because mm-hmm. I like games that are crafted around that, not games that kind of ham fist it in there and don't do it very well. So, like, when, like, GTA does it or, like, Battlefield does it, I, like, get super upset because I think it's terrible. But in a game like Hitman, I'm happy about it because I know that's how they designed the game and it's well crafted. And the AI is responsive and it's good. And so I was like, you know what? The, I, I should go play basically the granddaddy of all stealth games that I did not give a full shake, which is Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, mm. Didn't really get the chance to play it back in the day when it came out. I got distracted with something else, and I just never ended up going back to it. And I've basically been combing through my backlog to see uh, what games that I, I have that I haven't played uh, to kind of kill some time until I'm able to buy games again. Um, 
so I've been playing Metal Gear Solid 5. I'm about like maybe three hours in, but that doesn't mean much because the intro is so freaking long. Um, yeah. <laughs> having a great time with it. think it's really, really good. Runs amazingly on the PS5. Obviously, it, it looks amazing. Uh, don't have a ton to talk about yet because I'm, I'm still on that kind of that first area. Mm-hmm. And like most Metal Gear Solid games, I don't think I 100% understand like what's going on story-wise, but I, I have like a rough idea of what's going on but you know it's like a lot of things visually that happen that i'm like i don't i don't know what that is i don't know who that is i don't know why they're doing that or how (laughs) how they're doing that so i Mm -hmm. but i kind of just take it for what it is and you know do the mission as they tell me to so i'm having a great time with that and uh hopefully by next week i'll have dived in a little bit deeper so i can have more to say about the story because as of right now the plot elements have been kind of limited to me escaping that facility in the beginning and now i'm kind of in the desert i believe afghanistan and kind of just hitting soviet outpost to, uh one after another gathering intel so i can finally free my guys so that that's kind of what i've been doing in the game right now yeah that's interesting you know middle gear 5 i have such a weird relationship because so many of those mechanics i i do love um it's the actual lack of metal gear stuff that um uh, is my problem i've not played it since the launch and uh, since i beat it and got ending a uh, and you have to do a bunch of extra stuff to get to, like ending a plus or whatever and it's, it's kind of annoying but yeah the story aspects take a while to kick in and a while to even make sense but i'm interested to see how you think about it because uh i've been that's one of those games where i see it all the time i want to install it again and then i just don't because i know what i have to go through <laughs> yeah and so it's far so it's a much. thumbs up for me so yeah. far Great game, yeah. Great game mechanically. Alright, so uh, we can uh, get into the stories now. And uh, we have a CD Projekt Red story, but not one you may expect. Um, So CD Projekt Red has been hacked. Um, So quickly reading through um, some of the quotes and stuff. CD Projekt Red has been a victim of a targeted cyber attack in which hackers claim to have stolen internal documents and the source code for Cyberpunk 2077, The Witcher 3, and more. The company announced the attack on Twitter, noting its internal systems have been compromised and that the hackers had left a ransom note. The ransom note was released to the public alongside the announcement, and it claims that the hackers have dumped full copies of the source codes for Cyberpunk 2077, Witcher 3, Gwent, and the unreleased version of Witcher 3, which is everyone's assuming would probably be the PS5 um, Xbox series patch or release. The hackers also claim to have access to all of the company's documents related to accounting, administration, legal, HR, investors, uh, relations, and more. The ransom note ends that by noting that CD Projekt Red has 48 hours to contact the hackers or your source codes will be sold and leaked online. Your documents will be sent to our contacts in gaming journalism. Your public image will go down the shitter even more and people will see how you your company functions investors will lose trust in your company and the stock will dive even lower the note continues uh file stolen from cd project red in a ransomware attack revealed earlier this week have reportedly now been sold in the dark web auction um that comes from cd project red saying they were not going to you know give into the demands and they weren't going to you know talk and sort of compromise with you know thieves and terrorists in a sense, uh, dark web monitoring organization Kella uh, provided the Verge in what it believes to be a legitimate file list from CD Projekt's Red Engine. Uh, reports that an auction set up to sell the files has now been closed after a satisfying offer was made from the outside um, of the forum it was being held. 
The offer reportedly stipulates that the code will not be distributed or sold further. Cybersecurity account um, VX Underground also reported that it had heard the sale was completed. So what a weird, 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 weird time, um, especially for CD Projekt Red that. I was hoping they would kind of fade into the background while they work all these things out and one of the worst things that can happen to a company like this happens. They get completely hacked. Um, I'm less worried about sort of the source code thing because most people aren't going to... To what it is, what you'd have to do to play these sort of unreleased PS5 and stolen code and stuff like that can be tracked. My big thing is more the personal information that went out, the HR, the accounting, and administration, employees, all that kind of stuff that was happened. And I hope that information uh, gets, you know, recuperated and it gets saved and those people's, everyone's, you know, safety does come first um, besides these projects that are being sold and released. Um, so... My heart goes out to CD Projekt Red um, even more now. I understand they've been through all this stuff. I'm glad they didn't kind of give in to the ransom note because sometimes that just leads to worse problems. But uh, my thoughts are with them because this is uh, terrible, terrible news for them. And everyone who thought this was a joke at first, uh, most of the people from CD Projekt Red have come out and said, no, this is not a joke. This is something serious that's going on. So uh, what was your reaction to your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first thing I thought reading this is like, man, they cannot catch a break right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're going through it over there, and uh, yeah, it was wild seeing them go basically full like we don't negotiate with terrorists and just like publishing the thing that's crazy, that's gangster. So wild for them. Um, yeah, hopefully you know everybody lands on their feet from this one. Exposing vulnerabilities like that in, in companies is always like a problematic thing, and. Mm -hmm. uh, Hopefully nobody gets their information stolen or anything. I'm, I'm curious to see if anything actually abounds from this, especially with that sale of all that information. If, um, you know, people's information gets taken or are there going to be, you know, money taken or or is this something just more on the tech side that this technology holds some way and they're going to mess around with them like that? It seems like just a opportunity that they took to mess with this company that's already kind of in the bad graces of everybody right now. So it seems like they're trying to exploit that and they felt like maybe if we get this information, CD Projekt Red is in PR mode right now trying to fix the general PR and, and conversation around their company. So maybe if we push them right now, we can maybe extract some money out of them out of the hopes that they, they, they don't want another bad headline. But it looked like they weren't playing into that at all. So good for CD Projekt Red on you know standing by their 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 britches and uh hopefully again mm -hmm. hopefully nobody gets screwed over in this process and it's just wild to see like a you know dark web sale going on and stuff like that that was completed and the the amounts of money that they were throwing around we're talking millions of dollars here yeah. so yeah. It, it's pretty insane of what, what's going on out there so um, i'm curious to see if, I, I doubt that this will be the end of this story that we hear about but i'm, I'm curious to see how this kind of manifests in the future and ho hopefully they're able to figure out something and Hopefully the you know the source code doesn't lead to them having more vulnerabilities going forward, and because we we've seen stuff like that before, like with like the Last of Us situation, where uh, yeah. they they got access to some information through like the engine or doing something crazy like that. So uh, there are a lot of security risks once you have all your information out there, and especially once you have all your technology out there that they can now learn to exploit what that manifest looks like going forward to a, a live game like like cyberpunk is going to be eventually with their online mode so uh you know prayers to them but uh hopefully they can figure something out yeah and yeah it was just so unfortunate if all the people I, I don't want this to happen to any company but a company that's already been through you know the ringer pretty intensely since december um 
This was really just an extra kick in the stomach. Definitely. So I guess we can move on uh, to the next story. This one was a very interesting one. It caught me by surprise. I didn't see much many people talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But for people who were paying attention, especially during that kind of like PS3, 360 era, you guys remember a lot of this. So um, the canceled Iraq War FPS Six Days in Fallujah is apparently getting resurrected for a 2021 release. So Six Days in Fallujah, a military FPS based on real Iraq war battle, has been uh, resurrected by a new developer and publisher after being canceled by its original publisher over a decade ago. So it's set for release on PC and consoles this year, and the new version of Six Days in Fallujah is developed by Highwire Games, so that's a studio founded by Halo's lead designer and published by Victura. A tactical shooter, the game is based on events that took place in 2004 during the Second Battle of Fallujah in Iraq. Uh, the original Six Days in Fallujah was announced in 2009 by Atomic Games, the publisher Konami, but there was a lot of criticism from war veterans and anti-war groups uh, and, you know, its proximity to real life and stuff like that, and they felt like it was insensitive. So they ended up canceling this game that, from what I understand, it was either really far in development or, you know, downright done, I- I'm pretty sure. Uh, and so it, it got canceled and that was like a big thing and everybody was like, oh my god, that game looks so cool, we're never going to be able to play it. So somehow, all these years later, <laughs> like 11 <laughs> years later, here comes this game, you know, ready to play. So, uh, Steve, did you have any interest in this game when initially announced or do you have any interest in it now? So when this broke, they're like, oh, canceled game being released 10 years after. was like the headline on, I, I don't know if it was Twitter, wherever I was reading and I said, what? And I'm like, of course this is something super, you know, that just that title without getting into what the game was, a canceled, uh, unreleased game from 10 years ago being released. Now I'm like, well, I had to look into it. I vaguely remember some of this stuff. I do remember that Konami was the original publisher. I do remember the controversy that they're like, oh, a war game. So I remember I remember vaguely it being, its release being canceled because the game, as you said, was I think it was shown off in 09 and then it was supposed to be released in, t- in 2010 and then this all went down and I remember the studio ended up going bankrupt the year after so I want to say it was like 2011 and that's so people the game was thought to be dead in the water um to never be released obviously and so I and I remember the backlash I remember the people saying you know oh how accurate or not accurate it was to you know 20 2009 was a very um sensitive time i guess uh, talking about war just because of all sides and everyone's opinions and all that kind of stuff so it was really interesting to hear that this was back i again i didn't remember the name until i started looking at some of the all the like uh publishing stuff and all that kind of things i'm like oh it, it started to kind of click in my head what it was and i'm like i do remember this it's very interesting that it's being released now i'm, I'm glad it is because you know this game was something worked on for a long time i mean konami's not just Konami does kind of just publish anything now, but back then Konami didn't just publish whatever they want. So that at some point they believed in the game. So I am really interested to see what comes from this. Um, what if, in a sense, were people overreacting um, to certain aspects? Like what what does this do to the current state, um, and what does it do to a lot of these people who you know a lot of these vets and stuff that put their life on the line, sometimes and a lot of times have issues with sometimes these war games getting too far over not showing it accurate and portrayal enough so i'm really interested and i'm glad this game is coming out though because there might be a message in here that we need to see yeah and i do wonder kind of just how a 2009 fps holds up being released right now 
Um, I, I wonder like how many tweaks they're going to really do to it to, for this release. Like, is this a mm-hmm. pretty major overhaul? Or considering the fact that they've announced it now and they're planning for a 2021 release, tells me that they're not planning on completely remaking this game. So it seems like it's going to be for the most part the experience that we probably would have gotten back then. Uh, so that's kind of interesting too. I'm curious to see what the pricing looks like and what the demand looks like, and does anybody can even care when this comes out? Uh, that, that I'm curious about. Uh, and, and that's another thing is you know since this game was you know canceled, we have gotten games that have done basically very similar things to what they were trying to do here, and it, it just seems like the culture generally around video gaming has shifted a lot, specifically in terms of like like war games. Like obviously, uh, sensitivity to subject matter covered in games has existed you know pretty much the entirety of the time that gaming has existed i mean they went through what they went through in the 90s with certain violent thing gta went through it so it 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 happens uh with like you know censorship versus sensitivity and stuff like that uh but you know since this game come out keep in mind like we've had that uh the the no tagline metal uh, not metal gear uh medal of honor game that, that mm-hmm. tackled very similar issues that went through a little bit of controversy. We had Spec Ops The Line, which played up, you know, like, yeah. and, and that was like, what, yeah. 2012 or something like that, that played around with like the psychology of war. So we play, they luckily have been able to explore that with limited pushback. And, and not that there wasn't bad headlines about it, but there was no real concerted effort to keep it from release. So it is one of those things that who knows maybe this was a little bit of an overreaction on the publisher's side which is they probably could have powered through it just released it anyway nothing really would have happened um realistically i like there's games that get banned in other countries especially places like australia and stuff like that uh but for the most part in the u.s things that want to come out are able to come out to some extent so I don't think the conversation is going to be as volatile this time around. Not to mention, I just feel like the amount of eyes on this game is significantly less than what would have happened in 2009. Because, again, that was the height of, like, FPS fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Call of Duty was just absolutely murdering back then. And so, yeah. yeah, I think it's a very different dynamic right now. And it almost feels like they were going to release a game to way too many eyes back then. And now, because of the amount of time that's coming out, it's almost like they're going to released to way too little considering what they're actually going to try to do with this game so hopefully they have a very you know interesting compelling narrative to justify resurrecting this dead game so uh, I'm, I'm gonna have my eyes on it but i can't help but be a little bit confused as to like what this game is going to actually be able to accomplish all these years later considering mm-hmm. what fps's are now what has been done narratively in games since this game got canceled is it going to really tread any new ground by this point? I doubt it, but we'll see. Yeah, that, that's where I'm interested. I'm really interested to see what is, you know, for so long, and I was I remember looking it up uh, last night when I saw this story, um, you know, for so long, a lot of people, like the last time this game was really talked about was in like 2011, and IGN said the game was going to be released, um, and that the game was done. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, they're probably in there, obviously, Fixing a few things because you can't just release a twenty, you know, two thousand nine game um, <laughs> in twenty twenty one without adjusting it. But I'm, I am curious to see what was this vision they had that they really wanted to release. Yeah, because I mean, it's just wild to see a, a game like this, and it just makes me wonder how much the general gaming conversation has changed so much since this time. Because I mean, keep in mind, not too long ago, Call of Duty World War Two literally had you walking through a concentration camp. Yep. Like, literally. 
So, and they, they, not that they got away with it because they did it very tastefully and stuff like that. But like, if that was back in 2009, do you think that would have been allowed to ride? Probably, I mean, probably not. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, things have ch- changed a lot. And I, I can't help but feel that like this game's going to come out. People are going to play it and be, people are going to be like, really? Like, okay, so this is what, what was so controversial, like this little thing. Because it's like, yeah. th- there have been so many military conflicts that happened in real life that have been somewhat faithfully recreated in video games i mean almost every conflict probably but the maybe maybe the korean conflict they haven't really tapped into too much but uh uh for the most part i mean we've seen stuff especially with the newest call of duty we, they've messed with like the cold war stuff world war Two has been done to death they've tapped into vietnam stuff so pretty much every major conflict has been touched all the way up to the gulf war with the black hawk down game and on, on the ps2 uh, and and yeah. modern conflict right now has been explored to some degree pretty heavily through Call of Duty. So, um, yeah, I, I, I doubt that they're going to be doing anything where they're going to be like, oh, my God, that, we've never seen anything like this done before. It's just they got caught up with the bad PR back then. The Konami got scooped, uh, spooked, and they, they pulled it pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see um, when it is. So, it's scheduled just, it just says late 2021 for release, but... I'm assuming maybe at some point we'll get a trailer, see what this game looks like, even because I don't remember what it was even like stylized as. But yeah, we'll see. Either. We'll see. Um, hopefully, somewhat soon. So, uh, going from something we want to see to something we really don't want to <laughs> see, um, <laughs> the Last of Us uh, HBO show. Uh, we have uh, probably the two biggest casting roles that we wanted to know. Uh, well, people wanted to know. I didn't want to know anything. But, you know, of all the people in The Last of Us, obviously these two are going to be the pinnacle and uh, really important. So The Last of Us uh, show coming to HBO has found its Ellie as uh, in Bella Ramsey, best known for her playing Liniana Mormont, Mormont in Liana. HBO's Game of Thrones. Liana. Uh, she will be uh, be playing... She will not be playing Ellie. Um uh, before we get to the second part, I was okay with this. I, I, I can see it. Again, Ellie's role is easier to cast. Um, I can't really judge off Bella Ramsey. The only thing I've ever seen her in was that HBO. And that's her role was not as uh, prominent, I guess, as you would see, I'd say, for other people to really get a just of it. So I think she may be able to do this. I, I don't know. Maybe she can't. Who knows? Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, so they, so before we got the second, um, casting, you know, the Hollywood reporter had confirmed, uh, Bella Ramsey's casting and clear up the rumors on another bit of casting, uh, true detective star. I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, Mahershala. Mahershala Ali. Um, apparently that was a rumor that he was offered the role of Joel. Um, but they did confirm that he will not be playing Joel in the HBO series, though the actor was at one point circling the role. Um, later that night, for some reason I went to bed and the next morning I woke up in this other part of the article. I don't know why this wasn't just announced together, but, um, it has been announced that Pedro Pascal will now be confirmed and is playing the role of Joel. Um, obviously Pedro Pascal coming from, uh, Narcos, Mandalorian, um, you know, his role in Wonder Woman, stuff like that. So it's, uh, an interesting time. So this show is obviously really happening. We knew this from... When it was pitched to being greenlit into now we have the main two characters uh, casted. So this show is going to happen for sure. Um, I still don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about, again, Bella Ramsey. I can't really judge. Pedro Pascal, he may be able to pull it out of nowhere. I, I The roles I've seen him in, 
even not Mandalorian stuff like that. I don't know if he has. And again, actors maybe just be able to pull it out of nowhere and really work towards this new goal. I just don't see him having that edge that Joel does. Um, so it's gonna be interesting. So what did you think of our uh, our new Joel and Ellie? Yeah. So uh, Bella Ramsey not mad with at all. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing about Ellie is that she, though is you know very young, she has this kind of like commanding kind of a-hole energy to her basically mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. She, whatever she's thinking in her head she has no problem vocalizing and uh so i think bella ramsey is a pretty decent fit because if you're watching on uh, game of thrones liana mormont she is a leader despite the fact that she's like literally a little kid and she's yeah. leading all these soldiers and she has a very commanding loud presence so i feel like she'd be able to bring that energy uh to ellie in, in a real way so i'm excited to see that um Pedro Pascal, I like him a lot. I really loved him in Narcos. I pretty much liked everything he did. Uh, obviously, Wonder Woman was a questionable movie, but I don't necessarily put that on him. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's a really, really solid actor. And uh, I've never gotten Joel energy from him. Uh, mm-hmm. That kind of like reserved, low-key, intense energy. Uh, very rustic energy from, from Pedro Pascal. But I don't mm-hmm. doubt in his ability to maybe kind of channel that. In a, in a way, uh, he's been he's channeled energy in roles that I would have never guessed for him previously as well. So, like, if you would have told me the Narcos cop is going to be able to play a, a stoic Mandalorian character, I would have been like, really? Okay. Yeah, that's true. And, and he pulled it off. So I, I, I won't write him off just yet. He's an, a brilliant actor, and I have faith in his ability to pull this off. But it, he's filling big shoes. Uh, you know, The Last of Us, though a video game just kind of voiced... Uh, there is mocap and for that too, and it's just at such a high caliber of performance that uh, the show they they really have big shoes to fill. But uh, and I, I'm never the biggest proponent of these kind of like video game adaptations. However, I do really like what HBO has been doing lately, and they have an amazing pedigree going back to the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. The shows going back, I mean, The Sopranos, The Wire. They've had tons of amazing things uh, over time. So. And then with their HBO Max and their movie deals and stuff like that, they're doing they're making the right meal uh, moves. So the only thing that gives me faith is they're throwing some good names attached to these characters. Seems like they really do care uh, mm-hmm. about the narrative that they're setting and the quality that they're going to be hitting. And also, it seems like they're they're going to have the budget for it too because HBO doesn't really play around in that regard. So so far, I'm seeing uh, things that I'm either neutral on or thumbs up. There's nothing that really spooks me just yet. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give it a shot, but uh, I'm going to need more information to see what specifically they're going to try to do uh, mm-hmm. in this show, whether or not I'm scared or not about the success of it. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the whole, uh, you know, the complete, like, saga that we've been going through with this casting, and, uh, you know, it's set up the best it can. Neil Druckmann is on board, and, you know, I, a lot of people from Naughty Dog are there. you, you got to assume that Pedro Pascal is going to do a... Well, I guess not a sit down, but a Zoom call with Troy Baker and discuss this role, discuss it with Neil. You know, so you you they're setting this up as probably as much. Same with Bella Ramsey; she's gonna sit down with uh, what's the girl who plays Ellie? Is it Laura Bailey? Laura? Uh, no, uh, maybe I don't. Know. No, Laura Bailey played Abby. No. Oh yeah, maybe I just maybe I don't, I don't remember who called. I forget. I forget what that girl's name. I I always confuse. But you know, I'm assuming they're gonna have um. You know, sit downs talking about this stuff like that. So, that's going to drive me nuts. Uh, da, 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 da. 
Okay, it doesn't show up. Ashley Johnson. Anyway, Ashley Johnson. That's that's there we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Ashley Johnson. So again, Bella Ramsey is gonna have a sit down with Ashley Johnson in a sense, and they may and discuss that role. Uh, this so I assume the show's gonna be probably the best it can be. You know, I think it's gonna be way more. It's gonna be way more to hopefully more. Or I feel like it's gonna be more to what The Last of Us is is to us already, um, than like what Uncharted's gonna be. Uh, again, I'm not trying to throw shade at Uncharted and Tom Holland and stuff like that, but I feel like this is probably gonna be a lot more to the source. Definitely. Um, especially when you have the creator on board, directing, helping writing, and stuff like that, and so it's kind of the best case scenario. Um, the rest is really up to them. <laughs> it's really up to them now where they take this. Yeah, definitely. Of all the adaptations that have been announced in different capacities, this one looks like it's probably going to be of the highest quality. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I have the most faith faith in this. Uh, it seems like it's probably going to be one of those things where, like, the more familiar and the more love you have for the source material, the more critical you'll probably be about this. But it'll be one of those things that, like, outside observers or people who, like, very casually played it or maybe haven't touched it since, you know, the original one back in the day uh, will mm-hmm. probably love it. It, it it'd probably be only the people who, like, have ran through the first one, ran through the second one, very familiar with the voice actors and the performance and the story who are going to be picking it apart. Naturally, we, we've seen stuff like that for, like, like Watchmen, for example, who, yep. like, the people who are really familiar with the comics are like, oh, they messed A, B, and C up. But uh, to the outside person, they're like, oh, no, it seems great to me. So I'm, I'm expecting it's going to probably be something like that where we're going to be going through this with a fine-tooth comb where the average consumer would never know and they just see a really high-quality uh, zombie experience where this is probably going to be the most refreshing adaptation of zombies they've seen probably since Walking Dead. So, um, yeah, it, it's exciting times. I'm curious to see what the timetable looks for this as well and when they actually start uh, filming because they just did casting. So I would imagine a lot of pre-pro is probably done and they're going to start filming maybe uh, summer or, or fall or something like that. So we're probably not going to see this for quite some time. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but uh, it, it's cool to see some progress in there and this is not just going into development hell like uh, Uncharted has been in. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so I guess we can move on to our next story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a little bit of Microsoft news. We haven't heard too much from that whole ecosystem for quite a while. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, as someone, you know, and, and you, who we have Xboxes, so we mm-hmm. want we want something from them. <laughs> and I, I keep my eye on, like, any any Halo news, any nothing? Nothing for me? Okay. Uh, finally, we got a little bit of Microsoft news, which is not necessarily good or bad news. It's kind of just some things moving around so uh legal documents indicate that microsoft intends to create a wholly owned subsidiary of vault uh, called vault to complete its zenimax media acquisition deal uh it's not clear if zenimax will be known as vault uh, after the deal closes so we don't necessarily know if this is like a rebranding or what but there is a formal subsidiary of microsoft that's going to be formed to kind of go with that whole Bethesda deal thing. Uh, the EU is currently deciding whether to approve the $7.5 billion acquisition that was revealed back in September 2020. Documents seen in the European Union law website, Eurlex, refer to the logistics of the acquisition, mentioning that a merger pursuant to which a newly created Microsoft subsidiary vault uh, will be merged with and into ZeniMax. So there's a lot of kind of like legal mumbo jumbo and stuff like that, but it seems like there's uh, some progress being made in that kind of Bethesda ZeniMax acquisition deal, and that mm-hmm. they're they're kind of carving out a chunk of uh, Microsoft to formally kind of ingratiate them into the family, which is very very interesting. Obviously, there's still a lot of questions. Um, 
that everybody has as to what this looks like when all is said and done and what that truly means for Bethesda and ZeniMax's output. Uh, and that's something that only time's going to really tell and maybe we'll get a formal statement kind of detailing uh, their release schedule and how everything's going to go going forward and what the natures of this deal is. But I don't, when you dealing with like corporate entities on this scale, we're never going to get 100% of the information. And obviously, they're not going to sit down and give us profit splits and all that, that crazy stuff. Uh, but did you have any thoughts when you heard this story? Yeah, it was, you know, it was interesting. I, you know, every step they're taking, um, this is a huge step, actually, to actually confirm this thing, you know, because they announced this deal. I do think they announced this deal a little too prematurely. Um, obviously, that was to hype up some Xbox series uh, information. No matter what they say, this was definitely announced early because, you know, they still have to, it still has to be approved. You know, technically, in a worst case scenario, this could all fall apart. Um, I think it's pretty much set in stone now that Microsoft's going through the the time of like uh you know creating a, a subsidiary vault and stuff like that to merge it into Zenimax and stuff like that so that's you know that's something we haven't seen before the same thing goes with i think we talked last week embracer group and thq nordic yeah buying people out and well with the gearbox sort of thing you know so i feel like you know it's it's on its way there you know again people are still kind of curious on what this means logistically for specific companies and games and the bethesda and the Zenimax and all that but you're you gotta assume that this deal's probably being close to to officiated i'm i'm glad i'm also kind of getting tired of hearing about oh microsoft's buying them i'm like well let's get this official and let's start seeing and i know it's gonna be a while but let's start seeing some product of this what what did you spend 7.5 billion dollars on um to to do what let's let's see because you know we know the first few games are not gonna even be on xbox technically and i know that's contract wise obviously the games existed before but like what does this actually mean for the ecosystem what does it actually mean for us who aren't investors who aren't dealing with this kind of money what does that mean for us is what i'm still you know interested in and uh, and excited to see what vault ends up actually being does is this just the name to carry money and shares and people around or does that change the ecosystem that we know in zenimax bethesda but it's you know it's interesting to see what this may end up being. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, surprise, surprise, Microsoft and Bethesda announced something earlier than they probably should have. I would have never imagined those two companies <laughs> announced yeah. something before they should. Yeah, I, I I think back to it. I'm like, man, they really announced this so early. Um, again, the deal wasn't even official. I know someone somewhere probably was like sweating when they saw that Microsoft just announced it too early. Like. Well, you know, they didn't hold their horses, but we'll see. But again, yeah, that I, is their specialty. I wonder if they announced it after, uh, before the deal was finalized, but after the like, kind of like the point of no return. So like it was deep enough into their negotiations where nobody's pulling out at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's safe to announce it. But yeah, the deal was far from actually formally being, you know, finished. But because uh, I, I don't know if they're already like contractually locked into each other that like if Bethesda was like, you know, eh, we don't like the stipulations. We don't like the profits, but we're out of here. Could they even pull out at this point? I don't, I don't know. I don't know nothing about that stuff. But uh, I'm just yeah. curious as to what specifically on that kind of negotiation timeline did the announcement actually occur on? Uh, some people think that it, it's very on the early end, like they're like they, they entered into talks with each other. They came down to studios and said, like, you know, what, let's just put it out there. Or some people think this is much later and they're just kind of finalizing stuff. And me, I tend to be like, 
they're probably somewhere in the middle where it's just after the point where comfortably they could say, okay, nobody's pulling out at this point, mm -hmm. but there's still a lot to discuss as to what this yeah. looks like and what legally can be allowed. Because again, when you have massive mergers like this, this is stuff that needs to be uh, approved by regulatory com committees and stuff like that, especially once you're dealing with like other international companies and stuff like that. So uh, very intriguing stuff. Yeah, and uh, hopefully... That's another thing we'll probably hear from soon when it's, it's all official. I'm sure Microsoft will do a little celebration tweet. I don't know. We'll, no we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. So the last story for today, a massive EA acquisition. Um, so Electronic Arts will acquire mobile game studio Glue, Glue Mobile, uh, for a weighty $2.1 billion, uh, the company's announced on Monday, making it one of the most costly video game acquisitions in history. Glue Mobile is, as the name implies, a mobile game development studio with a heavy-hitting franchises to a name diner dash uh disney sorcerers arena wwe universe tap sports baseball 20 kim kardashian hollywood deer hunter and others so uh ea has been talking about how they want to sort of move into that mobile market obviously it's huge especially in um, other regions in japan and china and stuff like that mobile gaming is still it is crazy huge over there and obviously these apps print money you know um when you look at this stuff all the microtransactions that are going in the game so obviously, EA. I, I'm surprised it took them this long that they, to acquire their own studio. You know, to acquire a studio to have their own foot in the door with this. So none of the games really speak to me. Uh, mobile gaming is really, really tough. It's not really what it was before. Um, I think it doesn't really hit the quote unquote hardcore gamers. This is obviously towards. It's it's a lot more the younger crew and sometimes the older crew that are playing these games and spending actual money and stuff like that. I can't remember the last time I spent money in a mobile game but i'm curious if they can do it tastefully ea is known to not be the most tasteful and uh <laughs> um consumer friendly with their microtransactions and their mobile games and their games in general so i'm curious to see what comes from them um especially with that backing so uh how was your little reaction to this yeah well i mean honestly this like this specific like glue mobile is so not my world and then mm -hmm. i don't play any of these games i don't play the phone games pretty much at all every once in a while i'll find a little phone puzzle game i might mess around with or something like that but it's just very much not my world so i can't really even comment about whether this is a good or bad acquisition but to be honest if you're spending 2.1 billion on anything you have seen the data to justify that purchase and they obviously if there's one thing i can say about ea is i have faith in their ability to make money and if there's one industry that you can comfortably microtransaction the hell out of to little to no pushback, it's the phone mm -hmm. uh, space because these games are already, like, I mean, cancerously infested with microtransactions <laughs> to the point where some of them are borderline unplayable. So I, I don't think EA will have any problems, PR or whatever introducing more ways to monetize these games. And they're not going to, they're going to have little to no pushback again because mm -hmm. the, the, P, the, the demographics that they're going to be tapping into, as you mentioned, uh, yes, there's an older crowd, and then there's a, just a massive younger crowd that just pumps money and money. And then obviously mm -hmm. there's the whales they talk about, which are the percentage of gamers that funnel thousands and thousands of dollars. And they're a small percentage, but the amount of uh, money that they funnel into these game industries keep the lights on at these places. So, yeah, that's uh, true. so I think this is actually going to really, really work uh, for EA, more so than pretty much any of the other deals that they have put money into i think this is going to have pretty major returns uh they 
predicted for a long time like is mobile gaming gonna die is it gonna take over but other than i mean whatever you want to say about the u.s the moment you look abroad you can see how expansive the this industry is and uh it's only getting bigger and getting serious and obviously for every cheap diner dashish kind of game that is killing it in the app store there's stuff like genshin impact that also has a, a huge online and, and mobile presence as well so it's a healthy space people are making money on it i have zero interest in any of these games <laughs> whatsoever but i don't think this is a dumb acquisition again if you're talking 2.1 billion they obviously see something um that can justify burning that amount of capital because uh, EA is not a stupid company. They've made some bad choices, but their their choices have almost always come from the way they choose to monetize things. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to a place where they can basically act with impunity about the way they they monetize things because they're, they're just uh, they've said like what well, a race to the bottom basically. Who can get their app out uh, the cheapest and then just extract as much money after the fact after the download happens. So it's yep. just an entire different pro- pro- profit model than the console space and the PC space. So it's basically like, as far as I'm concerned, go have a, have a blast, enjoy it, because I want no parts of that. So. Yeah, you're not going to get a cent from me. Um, no, it's not it, for me. It's still just, it's so much money too, $2.1 billion. As a yeah. reference, I always use it as a reference. Sony paid 229 mil for Insomniac. Yeah. So that just puts things in perspective, how much EA is expecting to... EA will also shut a studio down without a, a blink of an eye. Yeah, so. and, and the crazy thing that, just to put it in more perspective, is the fact that, yeah, like, we, they, Sony bought Insomniac, which is the most amazing deal in our world, and we love their products and we consume their products, and I can almost guarantee that EA is going to make so much more money with this acquisition than Sony makes with Insomniac, no doubt about yeah. that. It's just an entirely different world, and the amount of money generating just billions and billions and billions of dollars on a yearly basis is just incredible. As opposed to the console space, where they're they're making good money, don't don't get it twisted, but they're not making mobile money. Period. Because um, the amount of money that it takes to even develop the products at Sony compared yeah. to what it costs to make these apps, I mean, the, the margins are night and day. So, mm-hmm. I think this is like a what do they call it? Like a partnership made in hell type, type situation where it's just like <laughs> yeah they're perfect for each other so have a blast absolutely we'll, we'll see so five stories that was uh episode 43 of the podcast uh we're gonna be back next week with a brand new episode for you guys and hopefully some more news and see see what's breaking where we're heading into new cycle so we're in the mid mid february which means that uh, once we cross the next few weeks that's when all the delayed games are finally going to start coming out and uh we're going to be properly into next gen and hopefully for the love of god xbox puts out something please i'm begging you guys yeah that's not the medium i i want to i want to put, put my xbox to use with something new and not just play <laughs> games from the 360 <laughs> that's true like please xbox give me something new to play on my 500 hundred dollar machine at, at least some date we did just get a ratchet and clank days so summer yeah so sony's about to start their full output so they mm-hmm. microsoft has yet to begin sony's coming back after dropping some first party stuff and microsoft has yet to fire once yep it's concerning me steve i don't want another <laughs> xbox one i'm very yeah, concerned it's, it's starting to get worrying some But yeah, I'm Jabril and I'm with Steve. Hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll see you guys next week.